Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. This whole month, we're going to talk about relationships. Not just marriage, but relationships in general. That God would help us. Um, in our relationships with one another, because God designed us to connect, yes? Not to be isolated, but to be together. And, and so we're going to walk through uh, what, what it means biblically um, to have relationship. But today we get to kick it off. You know, it's been said that in marriage there are three rings. And if you've been in church, maybe you've heard this joke. But there's the engagement ring, there's the wedding ring, and then there's the suffering, Right? Some of you, you're like, it didn't sink in yet. Maybe it's okay. It's a joke. (laughs) The beautiful thing is that God designed us to be together. And so many couples, hear me today, so many couples spend all their time in the first half of their lives dreaming about the wedding day. I didn't say women, I said Couples spend time, fond memories, but the reality is that the, our bride walking down and all, we have good fond memories, but the reality is we spend so much time planning, so much money planning and investing and booking florists and limos and all of this stuff that we forget about the marriage that is the rest of our lives together. Hear me today. The wedding day is something worth celebrating 100%. But don't make it all about the one day. It's about marriage. Hello? It's about the marriage. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And right off the onset, it's not even in my notes. It's going to come up in in one of the next weeks. But I want to say this. If you're single in the room, calm down. Relax. Relax. Let the Lord lead and guide. My pastor growing up told me, watch and pray. He said, watch and pray. And and when he would say it, he meant in the context of at the altar. He said, watch and pray. In youth group at the altar call, watch and pray. And he said, that's how you're going to find a good spiritual woman. And, And I have one, thank God. But the reality is, many of us, when, when things don't move according to our schedule or our plan, we tend to want to get our hands on the timeline and make things happen. If you're here and that's you, don't say amen, but just hear the word today, right? But I believe that if we've yielded our lives to God and we've given him our past, our present, and our future... Well, then guess what? I have to believe that God is working out these steps that are not yet seen by my eyes, but that he is working them out and ordering them for me. So unless the Lord builds the house, its labors labor in vain. So even after you find your one, right, allow the Lord to continue to build into your marriage. It's not just a, yay, thank you, God, we got married. Thank you, Jesus. And then it's just the two of you. No, it has to be the threefold cord, which your husband, wife, and Christ at the center of it. And so uh, we're going to talk, you know, about, about marriage today in particular. And we said, unless the Lord builds the house, it's labors, labor in vain. Building a house is hard work. 
Not because I've done it, but because we've paid builders to do it for us. And I was able to watch them build as our, our community went from the ground up. And I was just like, thank God this is not what God called me to do. My son Josiah, on the other hand, he loves this stuff. But building a house is hard work. Can you imagine how difficult it would be if you didn't follow the blueprint? Think about it. If we didn't follow the blueprints, we might finish the work, but will it stand the test of time? And the same is true of life's most important relationships. Following directions is vital. Hear me. Following directions is vital to build a home that withstands the test of time and trouble. So the series that we're going to embark on for the month of February is called Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. And if you've ever tried to put something, if you're a parent, like we have a picture of a wagon. Can we put the wagon up? We bought this, or I don't remember if we got it as a gift from the grandparents for Josiah when he was small. But I remember being at my mother-in-law's house and thinking, ah, this is easy. It's a wagon. You got wheels. You got the axle that goes in between it. And how hard could it be? So my brother-in-law, he's a builder guy, and myself, we were there and putting this thing together. And two hours later, <laughs> we couldn't figure out the wheel thing, but we had put the wheel in backwards. And then we couldn't clamp it. But you know those clamps that you hammer in and they're metal, but the teeth lock in? And you can't pull it out after. So we're like, what are we going to do? Because now we can't get this thing out and back in the other way. Uh, we had to jam it, force it, and he had some way to jimmy it after, whatever. But to say, we could have saved ourselves all of the headaches if we would have just read the simple instructions for what seemed to be really simple for us. You know, something simple, but we needed instructions. You know, next time I had to put something together, you can bet that I read the instructions and I was successful and it was much easier. You know, I want to say this, God has a blueprint for marriage. God has an instruction manual for marriage that you don't have to go at it your own. You don't have to guess. And even if you're single here, listen, because one day, God willing, you will be married and you have to hear the word. And so God has a blueprint for your marriage. Um, but here's the spoiler alert. Some assembly is required. It's, it's not just, here you go, and, and it's like happily ever after. No, some assembly implies work. Work is required, but you will do well in the end. Just a download from heaven, hold on. <laughs> you know, some of you might think, We'll just give a second. All right. Some of you might think, you know, I've been married 25 years, Pastor John, and happily married at that. Um, why do I need to hear a whole series or a whole message today, at least, on marriage in particular? Um, I want to say if, if that's how any of us would think, our logic is flawed. And I'll tell you why. Think about a business owner. No good business owner, even though they're successful, would ever just say, you know what, I've learned all I need to know, and I'm good. No, we go to the seminar, we buy the leadership books, we continue to grow and to learn in our leadership. Why? So that our business will continue to be successful. 
Marriage is the same way. You know, I, I may have been married, what, 10 years this past June? We're going on year 11. Some of you have been married way longer than me. That's okay. I'm not here to tell you marriage my way. We're going to look at marriage God's way today. Can you say amen? And so if you're ready to dive in as we get started, it's important for us to understand the origin of God's design and God's intent. This was never man's idea. This was God's idea. So if you're ready to dive in, would you stand with me as we read from Genesis chapter 2? If you're able to, stand to your feet. Genesis chapter 2, right at the beginning of the book. We'll have it on the screen in the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 2. And we'll begin reading at verse 20. If you're there, shout amen. All right, here's what it says. Genesis 2 verse 20. He, being Adam, gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I understand that this could be a sensitive subject for some people in the room. But Father, nevertheless, we need to learn and grow from your word. I pray today that, Lord, we would hear your heart concerning marriage, concerning husbands and wives, concerning even single people who are yet to get married. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us out of the volume of your book, I pray, the Bible. Lord, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart that I might speak the words you want spoken, but even in the tone and in the way you want it communicated, I surrender surrender and I yield myself to your leading today in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I have to be very honest with you in the room today. I always am, but I'll, I'll admit this that I've never actually done a marriage series and, and I don't know why. Maybe I just never felt like I had enough years under my belt, um, but I do want to say this that this month is not going to be about any one person's experience on, on these kind of subjects. We're going to look to the Word. This is, this is what we do when we come together as the church on a Sunday. We get under the teaching from God's Word. And if I do share my opinion on a specific point throughout this month, I'll be sure to let you know that this is solely my opinion on this point, And then I'll tell you what my opinion would be. But today we're going to look at what scripture says. You know, in verse 18, we didn't read there. We started verse 20. But it was interesting that God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. But if you read that verse in the next verse, it says, so God formed animals from the ground, the dust of the ground. And, and then Adam had animals but it's interesting, even though we say dog is man's best friend, 
And, and we have dog and cat lovers and animal lovers in the room. That's good. God bless you. Um, not in my home, though. <laughs> we have enough kids that run around. And it's hard enough to clean and take care of them. We'll get to parenting at another time. But um, God realized, possibly even before Adam realized it for himself, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So here are the animals. But in verse 20, where we read, he says again, but there was still no helper just right for him. There was no helper that was just right for him. And, and it is amazing that God was caring about Adam's need, but it doesn't even tell us that Adam realized he had a need. And in the goodness and foreknowledge of God, sometimes he'll give you what you need before you even ask. Other times, you're going to wait a long time and even wonder, where's God in all of this? But I want you to know that God is God, and there's nobody like him. And so he's good and he's faithful, and you got to trust his timing. But here God was saying that, you know, I did the animals, but it, it's not a suitable helper. It's, there's no match here. Adam needs something more. And what's amazing is God creates woman in verses 21 to 22. But see, the animals, to form the animals, he went from the ground, just like he did for Adam. What's interesting is when it comes to woman, because we don't know her name quite yet, it's Eve, but when it comes to Eve, God could have, just like he did with Adam, just like he did with the animals, he could have fashioned her out of the ground, out of the dust from the earth, but he didn't. What did he do instead? He chose the rib. He chose a rib. And why did God do that then? Right? Adam said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. But in so doing, he being God, illustrated for us that in marriage, man and woman symbolically became one flesh. So it was for illustration, symbolically speaking, listen, you are two individual people when you're single, but when you come together for marriage, for, for life, you become one. You become one family. You become one vessel that God wants to use. You see, he didn't make her from his head to top Adam. And he didn't make her from Adam's feet so Adam could say, I'm above you. And I submit to you, maybe it's reading a little further into the text, but, but hear me for a second. Maybe God made Eve from the side of Adam to be his equal under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Think about it. It's not who's greater, who's better, who's stronger. No, we need each other. We need each other. Men, we need the women in our lives. You know, I will say this about us. Priscilla is very different than I am. I'm very different than she is. I have the ability, without even doing it intentionally, to annoy her to no end. And she tells me, when it gets to that point. But on the flip side, she knows how to push my buttons, but I think she does it on purpose. <laughs> but then I say, okay, but I need some of that in my life. And she needs some of me in her life. And in that way, you know, cue up your Dr. Evil voice, but you complete me, <laughs> right? And so if your spouse is in the room, turn to them and say, you complete me. Say it in your Dr. Evil voice, though. <laughs> you complete me. 
Because it's true. Two have to become one. And this was not man's idea, but this was God's idea. And really, we're going to spend the bulk of the rest of our time today in verse 24. Because this is where we need to understand God's design, remember? And God's intent for, for what this relationship is all about. Verse 24 tells us that God gave marriage as a gift to Adam and Eve. You see, we said it, they were created perfect for each other. But marriage was not just for convenience. You need to understand that. You know, the way my dad was raised was that the woman is supposed to make dinner every night. And so I grew up watching my mom make dinner every night. And, and I remember when my mom died, my dad was 51. The only thing he knew how to do was boil a pot of water. And even at that, he's like, how long do I have to boil the pasta for? And he didn't even know. So, so literally, I had to cook. And, and thank God I knew how. I, I, because here, as a child, children in the room, listen. Your parents might not do everything right, but you could still learn from their wrong or their mistakes as well. So I saw my mom and the frustration in the home where she just had to do everything. Now, I remember being a, t a young teenager, my 12, 13, and I said, I want to, one day when I'm married, and hopefully Priscilla, <laughs> I've lived up to this desire, but I said, I see how my mom hustles in the home and, and has to cook and do all this stuff and clean and do everything alone. She even did the finances alone. And then I said, I, I want to help you, mom. So I would help my mom cook. That's how I learned. That's how I learned to do it. Then when my mom died, I was able to cook for my dad. Because how many of you know if you're older, they, they say, I'm told, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So I had to say, dad, I'll do it. And we went through those, those areas. But then when I got married, I was like, Priscilla, I'll make dinner. I got Mondays since I'm home. She always gets home before me anyway, so she can't wait. So she starts. The reality and the secret is her dinners are always better than mine. So she, when she gets home and I'm home trying to cook, she's like, I got it from here. You do the prep work, I'll, I'll cook the rest of the dinner. But marriage was not just for convenience. All that to say this. Right? Nor was it brought about by any culture. Yeah. Hear me. It's not about convenience. And it wasn't culture's idea that this, a, a guy and a girl need to hook up and then spend the rest of their lives together. Listen, it was instituted by who? God. Marriage is instituted by God. So who or what gives anyone else the right to define something other than its creator? Hear me, who or what gets to define anything other than its creator? Let me give you an example. When the iPhone came out, I always, this is my one-trick pony. I love Apple products. But when the iPhone came out, Steve Jobs told the world in his keynote address, this is an iPhone, <laughs> right? Well, who said it was an iPhone? Apple said it. Why? Because they created the phone. So they could name it. And put the parameters, and this is how many gigs of storage it has. I think the first one was like 8 gigabytes. Like some of us, like one video almost takes up 8 gigabytes. But they were able to define what this was for the rest of the world. Why? 
Because they created the iPhone. No one questions it. No one tries to redefine today what an iPhone is, right? Uh, it's a smartphone. There are many different kinds of phones, but there's only one iPhone, right? Also, counterfeit iPhones, you can find them around, but they're frowned upon by Apple, and they'll do whatever they have to protect what? The original phone. This is an iPhone. And I've, I've held fake phones. Actually, I've, I've found one in the church like a couple of years before the reno. I found an old, I, and I like charged it up and, and I realized something was off. Like the software, it was funky, it was different. And it had the shell of an iPhone, but the guts were completely something else. So Apple designs the phone. They get to name it. God designs marriage. He gets to not just name it marriage, but define it as well. It's not culture's idea. It was instituted by God. And so marriage is designed by God. And I'm just going to say it one more time. Who is mankind to redefine what marriage is or is not? We're going to look at the word today and understand what I'm saying and what I'm meaning. Marriage, God designed it. He gets to define it. So there are three basic aspects to God's blueprint for marriage. If you take notes you'd want to write these down. There are three basic aspects to God's blueprint for marriage that we find in verse 24. And number one is leave. Number one is leave. And in verse 24, it says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So the first step when we're looking to get married is you have to leave. <laughs> There's some chuckles in the room because for some of us, it's virtually impossible. It, it, it's hard. For me, I, I went away from home for Bible school. For four years, I was gone. I was used to being away from home. It wasn't a big deal. For others, though, your experience might be like, I've never left. I've never left. All I know is mom's cooking, that after a long day, I just come home and there's a little plate still on the table waiting for me, right? But in marriage, you have to leave your father and mother. But by the way, it says man. And I just want to point out, I remember getting ready for one of the weddings at church a few years ago. And, and there was a parent who says, it's the man's responsibility to leave home. Because this was a, a, a long distance. Uh, and and the, if I remember the case correctly, the husband lived in a different area. And the daughter was, was local. And so the father was saying, no, my daughter stays close to home. The husband's got to leave because that's what it says in the word. I couldn't argue that because it does say for this reason, that's why a man leaves his father and mother. But uh, I believe that it applies to both. <laughs> the husband and the wife, you, you got to leave the comfort of home. You got to leave... Um, so to speak, your parents bubble, why? Not because it's a bad environment, but because you need to go. And in order to get to step two, you got to leave. So step two is what? Cleave. Leave so that you can cleave. What does cleave mean? It means to latch on, to hold on to, to join. The man and the woman are joined together by taking responsibility for each other's welfare and by loving each other above all others. What do you, Pastor, above all others. So I have to love my spouse more than I love my parents? So, so my spouse comes first? Yes. According to scripture, 
Once you're getting married, your spouse is your priority. Husbands, your wives are your priority. Wives, your husband is your priority. And this is not my idea. This is not my opinion. Verse 24 is telling us, for this reason, he leaves, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And this is the first instance in scripture that I find the term wife. Before it was woman. But you see in verse 24, there's the introduction. She's not just a woman. God designed her as a suitable helper, a perfect mate. Now she's your wife. So now there's the responsibility to join together and to start something new. And the picture is that two become one. We're going to get there in a second. The third though, so leave number one. Two is cleave. Number three is to become one, and hear me, in the intimacy and commitment of sexual union, which is reserved for marriage. It's reserved for marriage, not because it's a popular opinion socially, but because God said, this is how I designed it to be. That sex is to be enjoyed in the context of the relationship between a husband and a wife within a marriage context. Again, maybe you've never heard this preached in church before, but it's in the Word of God, and I think it's a word that we need to hear in our day and age. Parents, if you're in the room, trust me, when your children are about to get married or they're even dating, you're going to want them to know the Word of the Lord. You're going to want them. Why? Because it's for our benefit. It's for our protection. It's to preserve what God created as good so that it can be good. And so I have some marriage math, and I use it, or I've said this sometimes at some weddings, but just to illustrate the point, you know, if we have some mathematicians in the room, you know that one plus one equals two. It's not a trick question. Um, it's just simple, straightforward math, right? One plus one equals two. Now, I can't argue that for math, but when it comes to marriage, that equation is wrong. And so can we put up the right answer when it comes to marriage? One plus one equals one. The two become one. The two become one. Note that God created one Eve for Adam. Not several Eves or not even another Adam. Okay? He created one Eve for Adam. And, and I'm, I don't want to open up that whole other discussion today. But scripture is very clear on what the picture of marriage looks like. It's between one man and one woman. And listen, I don't care who asks me this question. Even if they say, you'll go to jail if you answer this wrong. But this is how I respond. This is the standard for living. And if someone says, pastor, and they put a mic in my face and a video camera in front of me. It's not my opinion. The Word of God is how I choose to live my life. And according to what the Word of God says, marriage has always been, always will be between one man and one woman. Why? Because God created us. God designed marriage. He gets to define it, not me. And, and so this is, if you ask where I stand, I stand with Scripture. By the way, if you call yourself a Christian... You, you, you can't follow popular opinion. You have to follow what the Word of God says. Uh, but I can't force you 
But that's how I would respond if someone would ask me, just so you know. But we bring, so one plus one equals one. But hear me today. As true as that is, the reality is one is coming, right? Let's say the, the spouse, the husband is here, the wife is here. One is coming into the equation. Though it's one person, maybe there's a whole lot of baggage as well. What do I mean by that? Baggage is not always a bad thing. It just means uh, our experiences have been different. We come, you know, as a byproduct of our upbringing as well. So we see, uh, I, I saw, I shared with you a little bit of what I saw in the home. But when I married Priscilla, so I brought some of that with me into the marriage. Some of my expectations maybe. Not because they're right or wrong, just because that's how I was raised. But, but we have to understand, listen, just because you hang your shirts facing left, you know, the collar has to go. You know, I remember that was one of the little things that I would always do it this way. Priscilla would do them that way if, if she chose to hang up my shirts. After a while, she just said, you hang them up yourself, right? And I'm okay with that, so I'll do it right. But we all come with these little things. Don't let me lose focus. They're my shirts. I get to say which way they point, right? And then she says, then you do them yourself. That's, that's okay. We come, we bring this into the marriage, right? The other spouse comes, and whatever upbringing or experience they've had, they bring it into the marriage as well. And listen, one plus one equals one, but some assembly required. Yes? Some assembly required. Here's the thing. The hanger, it's not a big deal. Probably even today, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know which, which, I hang them wrong now because I don't even care anymore. I'm too busy chasing my kids, trying to put their clothes away. So those little things that are a big deal, they are a big deal. Why? Because one little thing plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one little thing, they're all little things. When you bring them together and then she has her one plus one plus one plus one little things. Guess what? It's grounds for, I don't say argument, but growth opportunities. They provide growth opportunities, right? And, and things blow up. And you're like, this isn't what I thought it would be like, right? I'm just being honest. The first three months were awesome. The, and she'll get a chance if she wants. She can interject at any point. But for me, as I was adapting, there was a big period of, of realizing, okay, my idea of marriage is very different. I just thought it would be fun, lovey, like when we were dating. <laughs> but, you know, I lived in Montreal most of the time. The last year I lived in Brantford, about an hour away. But now you're together 24-7. You can't like just say, yeah, I'll call you later. It's like you wake up and you have to deal with this. Some assembly is required. But, but here's what it means. It means you got to work at it. You got to be willing to put in the work. Marriage requires work. Some assembly required. You know, the goal of marriage is much more than just friendship. The actual goal is oneness. Two becoming one. The goal, you know, if all you're looking for is someone because you're lonely, you might be disappointed even if you find a good guy or a good girl and get married. Just because you're lonely. It's more than just friendship. 
It's oneness. You have to go beyond the friend zone and you're going to get into the intimate parts of your life. The parts that are a mess, the parts that you're embarrassed of, the parts that you haven't told anyone else. Here's the thing. You cannot keep secrets. You have to be willing to share openly. Marriage is work and you need to be willing to work through those parts of your life that you haven't divulged or revealed to anyone else. Now, here's the thing. If you think, I have all these issues as a single person, I, I just need a spouse so that it's going to help me and I'm going to be fixed and I'm going to be better, you're fooling yourself. And I want to be, I love you enough to tell you very honestly that getting married doesn't solve problems, it just creates more. Because you have to deal with more. Two are be learning to become one. And this is a, it is a blessing. This is the, under, the overlying theme of marriages. It is a blessing. Because God designed it for our good. But you see, I need to tell you the truth. That there is assembly required. And I want to be very honest. Some of you in the room, you might be you know, done one marriage and, and in a point where you're single again. And it's not what you anticipated. But here... It takes two to be willing to work. It takes two. But you need to do the work. You need to do the work. And it's, it is easy. But it's a blessing. It's not always easy. But I want to be honest. It is always a blessing. Why? Because this is how God designed it. That I'm more blessed with Priscilla being in my life than if I were to be all alone. Even on the hard days, at the end of it all, I say, thank you, God, that you, get, you gave me a perfect partner, a wife who loves me despite all my flaws, but that we can love each other through our differences and grow together. And, and it's important that we get this. It's not just about finding a friend. It's about oneness, that you got to share your lives, those, those hard parts. Here's the reality. If there's emotional insecurity, um, if there's spiritual intimacy that's lacking, if there are some of those issues uh, that are lacking, the, the reality is that the physical intimacy is going to suffer. When there are these known things that you're hiding or keeping, the, the physical intimacy is what ultimately will begin to suffer. And so if you're here, I'm just speaking as I feel God wants me to in this regard. Allow the Holy Spirit to work, but you need to be willing to work as well. A lot of times we say, God, fix it. Lord, God, take my mess. And God's saying, well, what are you willing to do with the mess? What are you willing to do to work through it? Are you willing to work through it? And I believe that if God brought two people together, his desire is, and it says in Scripture, let no man pull them apart. Let nothing pull them apart. And so I know that this is a sensitive subject. Matthew 19, verse 5 and 6, Jesus reinforced what, it was, uh, what we read in Genesis 2. This is what he said. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. But my question is, are you willing to put in the work? Husbands, wives, are you willing to put in the work? Yes, if you have children, it adds to the, the, the workload. But the reality is, we have to make time. We have to take the time. 
And we have to create that space to work through these things. Like I said, I know this can be a sensitive subject, but I believe we need to hear God in this. There are single people here. There are divorced people here, perhaps. There are people maybe in this room between your second and third marriage. There are people maybe here who are living together. I'm going to get a little in your space right now, if that's okay. Because I love you enough to tell you what God wants you to know. Stop doing it your way and start going about it God's way. Stop doing it your way. Stop trying to open a closed door. Let God open a door. Why? When God opens a door, no man can shut it. But when God closes a door, no man can open it. Stop doing it your way. If you're single and having sex, stop it. You don't hear this word a lot. If you're single and you're sleeping around, stop it. Why is the pastor saying, read the word. God designed intimacy, physical intimacy for marriage in the context of a husband and a wife. I wrote this all out because I just felt the download as God was, was giving it to me that I said, I'm going to write this verbatim as I'm hearing it from the Spirit. If you're single and having sex, stop it. You're doing it backwards and outside of God's design for marriage. It's sin and you're ultimately robbing yourself from the joy that God created sex to be. It's good. God created it to be good for your enjoyment and pleasure, but within the context of marriage. If you're divorced and dating even, you should not be testing the market by sleeping around with men until you find a better fit than your first husband. Honor God and honor your body. And especially if you have kids in the mix, honor them and lead by a godly example. If you're in a committed relationship, even living together, but you're not married, you haven't entered into that marriage covenant, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Hurry up and get married and do things the way God designed them to be done. And I've heard it said, because in Quebec, they used to say, uh, we live à côté. There's common law, right? The province will recognize you if you live together more than a year, but that's not what Scripture says. God doesn't view you as living in a marriage covenant just because you've stayed together for a year. So don't do it because the province says it's okay. You could just live together and we'll consider you a, a husband and wife or spouses. No, do it God's way. Get married. Why? You come under the blessing of God as a couple, as a family, when you honor God in, and his word in this way. Again, Psalm 127, verse 1, the way we started, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So what are the three blueprints? What are the three blueprints we said? Three aspects of marriage, right? Number one, leave. We have to leave the comfort of home. We have to leave the covering of our parents. Why? So that we can be released to fly like a bird as husband and wife. And then the last one is to become one, which speaks of the sexual union that takes place on the wedding night. And this is God's plan and God's design for man and woman to become husband and wife. It's a beautiful picture. Listen, marriage is to be held in high honor. 
Why? Because God honors marriage. God, it was his design. So listen, if you're here and you say, I'm a Christian, you'd want to honor God because this is how he designed you. This is how he created you. Did you know scripture says sexual sin is a sin against your own body? So maybe depends what kind of sin, but it could affect other people. But ultimately, sexual sin, even pornography, if you take, is a sin against your own body. It affects you. It distorts how you view this beautiful gift that God gave it. And, and God designed it to be pure and holy, not to be something dirty and filthy. Some of you, when I said the word sex, maybe in the room, you were like, ew, gross. No, no, no. The world twists and perverts it so that it is gross and dirty and something we think is oh, nasty. God designed it to be good. And he de designed it, but he also defined it for us. That it is only good when it is in the context of marriage. Listen, um, we're going to have a good month. This is the heaviest message you'll hear. I promise you that. But... But in all, in all honesty, if, if my kids were old enough and in the room, I'd want him to hear it. If he's starting to date, I'd want my son to hear this, or my daughter. You know, my daughter's only four, and I start looking at teenagers and young adults, and I say, Lord, give me grace, give me patience. I don't know what kind of a dad I'm going to be with Abby, but you know what I've decided? That we're going to raise Abigail to the best of our ability... I'm going to set a good example of what a man should be so that when she is at that stage looking, she has the best example other than God the Father. She has an earthly example to say, you know what? That guy treats people like poop. Why would I, you know, my, my dad, he set a good example. This guy's not, not even close to that example. I'm not going to even bother. This is what I believe we ought to do as parents train up our children model what we want them to see I'm going to say it again model what we want them to see you can say all you want parents you can tell them the truth from God's own word but if you're not living it out they who cares what you tell them but you model it by your actions in your marriage or in your relationships if you're not married you honor God and then give your children a worthy example to follow after. Give them the best version of you that you can. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet today as we close this service. Worship team, you don't have to come. It's okay. We're going to close today. Before we pray, you know what I'm believing? I know, I know it's a sensitive subject for some people perhaps. I'm believing that we serve a big God. Amen? We said last Sunday at Vision Sunday that this is a year of miracles. That we're going to believe God for the impossible. That we're going to stand on the truth of his word. And we're going to believe for miracles. What are miracles? Things that we can't do ourselves. But beyond that, it's something that's unforeseeable. Right? It's like an ear, an ear without an eardrum even being there. And it gets recreated and there's an eardrum now in someone's ear and they could hear for the very first time. I've heard of miracles like that happening. That eardrum wasn't even there to begin with. That's a miracle, right? I break my arm. The bone is there, but it's, it's broken. Well, I need healing. 
All right, I'm believing that God's going to heal some of us, if not all of us, of our past. But that he's going to give us a hope for our tomorrow. He's going to heal you from your yesterday, but he's going to give you a hope for your future. And that God is the God of miracles. Some of you, you need a miracle. Not a healing from your past, but you need a miracle for your future. And I'm believing with you together this year that we're going to see God do what we can't do for ourselves. Can you say amen? And in this area specifically, I just want to speak and declare that if your relationship is in shambles and falling apart, that God is the God who's able to mend broken pieces, broken hearts back together again. Why not believe? Why not believe that there might be couples in the room today where you said, one more argument and I'm out and I'm done. I don't know if that's anyone in the room here today. But hear the word of the Lord. He's the God of miracles. His design is for the man and the woman to stay together. And Jesus said, what I've joined together, let no man take apart. And so let us believe today that he is the one who can heal, but he's also the God of miracles. That he can do what I can't even do for myself in our relationships. Let's believe in 2020 for miracles. Can you say amen? I want to pray over you. Listen, tonight we have encounter night, 6.30. We're going to be here praying. I'm not judging anyone. You want to watch football? Go. Be an influence wherever you go. That's what I'm going to say. Be the light wherever you go. And listen, Vision Sunday, if you weren't here last week, go on our website, watch the whole video, but catch the vision. We said last week, hear the vision, make a decision, and act on it. We're going to believe God for miracles in 2020. And I want to pray for you before we close. Father, I thank you today. Lord, that each and every one of us, we were designed and created, Lord, for connection. Lord, we can't ignore this important message. Right in the beginning of Scripture, right at the beginning of time, when you created man and woman, you said it's not good for man to be alone. So, Lord, I thank you for every man and woman in this room, Lord, who is single. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't be impatient, that they wouldn't try to do things on their own, but, God, that you would open up the door that you want open, that you would close doors that might be open today, but that you need shut in the name of Jesus. And Father, teach us to trust you even in this. Father, that there might be people here who are enjoying a blessed marriage. God, I pray that you would continue to bless them, that they would continue to work at, at their marriage so that they can enjoy the years that are ahead as well. And Father, in the room, maybe there are people in transition in their relationships, Maybe there are people who are, have been divorced and who are kind of uncertain about the future, what it's supposed to look like. And then there are couples that are going through the thick of it. Lord, would you come and would you move like only you can? Lord, would you come and do a miracle where people have said it's hopeless, they'll never change. Father, would you prove us wrong? Lord, would you give us greater faith to believe you for the impossible? God, I choose to believe in faith, not to doubt so that you'll say, where's your faith, O ye of little faith, but that we would choose greater faith today to say, Lord, let, if anyone could do it, it's you. And so, Father, we thank you. Lord, we're just simply here saying, if there is some assembly required, we're willing to do the work. And so, Father, I thank you that, Lord, you would build the house. 
so that we don't labor in vain. Lord, for every family and every home, Lord, I pray a blessing upon them. Lord, I pray your peace in every relationship, marriage, and home. Father, we thank you that this is your influence that you can have in a home, in a family, in a marriage. And so, God, we just surrender now. Husbands and wives in the room, um, if your spouse is sitting next to you, just grab, grab their hand in this moment. Grab their hand. I just want to pray over you that God would unite you even more than ever before. Father, I thank you for every husband and wife in this room. And Father, that are here, literally in this room, holding hands. Father, let that be symbolic picture of the unity that you desire when two become one. Father, may we swallow our pride even. Lord, may we put one another first. Lord, that we would honor you in the process. Lord, I pray for each and every marriage to be an example for other couples even. That, Lord, wherever we go, when we meet with other couples, other families, Lord, they would sense the love of God in how we love one another. And so, Father, I just pray for unity now in every marriage and in every home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says, amen, amen and amen. Listen, thank you for your ear and for leaning in. We have Encounter. We'll see you at 6.30 tonight. I don't know what football team you're rooting for, but go San Francisco. God bless you and have a great, great week. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.